friends. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Fort Worth Roots. This is a Fort Worth podcast about our community's creators. You can find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on our website at fortworthroots.com. Quick shout out to our friends at Squad STX. Squad STX is an overnight primitive camping uh, alternative to programs like Boy Scouts. You can find them at squadstx.com. This is a great opportunity for those of you with boys uh, between the ages of 10 and 16. This takes place down in Glen Rose at Dinosaur Valley, and uh, all the information can be found at Squad stx.com get your kids outside we are going to have a hundredth episode release party i don't have any details right now well why am i telling you at all then i just want you to put this in the back of your mind that we're going to have something fun and exciting and uh specific to the fort worth roots podcast coming up and as soon as i can get any kind of details together for you i will but i'm working on uh the the venue and uh all the other details that go into something like this we got some time you know this is episode 87 so uh got got a few weeks to prepare for this i'll let you know as the the information comes in our guest today plays at the post every tuesday from six to nine he also plays at boomer jacks every wednesday but he different locations all over the place all over dfw uh so you'll have to look into that uh this is a very talented musician that plays many different instruments including an instrument that we talk about in today's episode called a melodica He's the front man for the local DF band, you Retrophonics, and you can find our guest on Instagram as Chris Watson Music. This episode is a direct result of one of our uh, followers hitting me up and telling me, hey, this guy would be a great addition to the Fort Worth Roots podcast. Can you have him on? So if you have somebody that you think would be a great addition to the Fort Worth Roots podcast, hit me up. It really is that simple. Media at fortworthroots.com and tell you who... Tell- Tell me who you think would be the next amazing guest on the show. And before we start the show, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's been subscribing to the YouTube channel. People have been hitting us up on Instagram, uh, all the different social media platforms. I see you guys subscribing to the show, and I appreciate it. I actually went and I looked at the Apple uh, podcast analytics, and uh, I was blown away by some of the stuff I saw on there. Just recently, I think Apple must have updated the way that they provide analytics to the people that make these shows, the podcast, the the music, and uh, it's a little more informative now. And I can see that uh, about half of my listeners are coming from uh, the Apple podcast uh, platform. So anyway, thank you very much for subscribing to these different channels and to the social media platforms. It does actually help the show. So thank you very much. All right, that's enough out of me. Thank you for being here. Give it up for our guest today and our new friend, Mr. Chris Watson. Let's start the show. Where's your gig at tonight? I'm at the the post over on race. I really Street. like that place. I haven't seen a performance yet. I uh, I, I took the bike out one day and just kind of went cruising to different venues that have been brought up during the show, and the post was on the list. So I, yeah. I popped in there, had a drink, got to talk to a, I can't remember his name, but a really nice guy. Gave me a couple of free drink coupons to come back by. So <laughs> nice. I need to catch a show out there uh, yeah. pretty soon. Tomorrow's a school school day, so. Uh, I don't. What time is your gig? Uh, six to nine. Man, I might be able to Normally. come catch that. Yeah, yeah. Provided the rain doesn't uh, interfere. I'm on a motorcycle right now. So oh yeah, that's my primary mode. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> off and on right now. So maybe not this week. But normally I'm out on the patio in that little courtyard out front. 
yeah uh most tuesdays so well uh chris usually bringing guests on the fort worth roots podcast is a product of of me reaching out to somebody and bringing them on the show or uh somebody from that guest band or somebody reaching out to me and saying hey you, you should interview our you know guitarist or whatever that's usually how that happens but this time a listener of the fort worth roots podcast suggested that i reach out to you okay and so that's what started all this and so then i started to try to do some homework on you but like you said you're in the process of uh revamping your website and and yeah. you're doing some back of house work right now so yeah. you were you were a little bit of a mystery i couldn't find you too too easily <laughs> so i had to i had to do some calling around and and find out a little more about chris watson oh, interesting okay <laughs> but now that i know who you are i've got your face i could probably find you on instagram and all yeah, the other sure. social medias, but there are a lot of Chris Watsons out there. It's like Andrew yes. Turner, you know. It's, there's a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, it's a common name for sure. I've ha- I've had to fight that in running a band, just using my name for so long because it was right. Chris Watson Band for a long time. Okay, and the reason I had to put the word band on the end of it, which I didn't really want to do, um, was because of that. There was already X amount of Chris Watsons right doing fairly well. So I would be just at the bottom of this list. One of them, the most popular one that I've been battling forever, is uh, this older gentleman that records uh, nature sounds. Okay. Like for B-roll for movies. I'll be checking this out. And and yeah, and he, <laughs> and he licenses them to to movies and stuff. And he's sold so much and done so well in his career that obviously his stats are better than everyone else's so he's at the top of the list right if you just if you just google in the music websites so i put the word band on it because there wasn't a chris watson band had to yeah so i didn't really like that ever um and so finally when that when that band finally ran its course and i got to change it to retrophonics i was just kind of relishing coming up with something interesting that didn't have my name attached to it right because i was tired of that <laughs> Like, I wanted to be able to separate that from every Because I do a lot of other stuff. Like, I do gigs under not under not Retrophonics. You know right. what I mean? Under, just under my name. Yeah. And it's other stuff. It's not the same thing that I do with this band. So, you know, I wanted to be able to separate them without just my name being attached to it at all times. Yeah. Tricky Waters. Trying to market yourself individually as well as your band. So, yeah. got to find a way to differentiate. Yeah. And if you experience any level of success on a scale of 1 to 100... You, you have an unspoken obligation to the people who have developed a fanship for you mm-hmm. to not pull a 90-degree turn to the left out of nowhere and stop doing the thing that they like. You know, you want to co- have a cohesive thing for the people who enjoy it. Yeah. You know, you don't want to turn them off with just something out of left field. Yeah. So being able to separate the two keeps the stagnation away, I all, think. All comes down to branding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and picking and choosing your moments on shows and and whatever yeah. releases and whatever. It's kind of an uncomfortable part of the uh, the musical journey. Yeah, well, when you're doing it all yourself, you have to do all the things, right? You know, if for a someone that's you know way way bigger, you know, that's on the self sustainable level, they have a team of people that do that for them, and they yeah. don't have to worry about it. Let me jump into these uh, listener-asked questions here. I've got a comment here that you were just absolutely incredible on the keyboard. And they wanted to know kind of the, the meat and potatoes behind that. Like, when did you start? What set you apart from other people on the keyboard? Because it, 
it does seem like you've got an edge that most musicians and by the way the person that's asking this is I think he plays like 20 instruments so <laughs> so it's it's really something coming from this guy to to say Chris Watson is is a killer on the keyboard well I started playing piano I think I was like five my parents put me in piano lessons that's wild yeah, it was classical piano lessons, and it was with this sweet, sweet old lady down the street. I guess she wasn't down the street, but she was close. And she would, my parents would take me and my sister there. My sister was four years older than me. And I didn't like the classical music. Okay. I was five, so give me a right. break. Don't, I don't want <laughs> like, don't email me about it. Right. I didn't like the classical music, but I enjoyed the the making of the music uh-huh. like the the creation and the the tactile you know i like that so i i took to it uh i learned how to read you know read the music on the paper and and whatever at a at a remedial level you know as a kid right and then i did that for probably a couple of years my sister dropped out immediately it wasn't for her she's <laughs> way more um whichever left brain right brain whichever one is is more pragmatic that's she's on the other side uh she's a doctor oh she's, awesome. a, she's an orthopedic surgeon yes yeah, so she, cool. she she it's to her advantage for sure um anyway uh so then i was i stopped doing the lessons because i didn't want to do that anymore i didn't enjoy the music um so as a kid i grew up in pilot point which okay. is way up north um on a quarter horse commute uh, ranch community and my parents driving me and my sister around they would only allow us to listen to 98.7 K-Love <laughs> and back then I was born in 86 so back then early 90s uh, K-Love would have been you know Hall and Oates, Stevie Wonder Al Green that era of of music which and it was a lot of soul music for whatever reason Yeah, uh, and it was on this like 150 song playlist that they just repeated ad nauseum we might have had the same parents i mean i went through that too so yeah (laughs) so it turned out at some point my parents realized that i was like singing along with these songs uh and they were surprised that i knew them but it was all the only thing we listened to of course (laughs) i knew them the playlist was so short um and so my parents kind of were testing the waters of what what i what they thought i would like musically they bought me uh, the next thing they bought me was a drum kit. Like I got into playing drums. Brave. Yeah, which is a, <laughs> I commend them tremendously for that. They, I, that's so uncommon. Um, but you know, it was the it was the 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 rhythm of the music, that that soul music. It all for me. It all ends up boiling down to Stevie Wonder and Donny Hathaway. Really, that's like that's. That's my whole. That's the secret. If you pull the veil back, back, just do that. Just emulate them. Awesome. So that's really the whole thing. But, but, you know, it started with drums for me to getting to getting into just playing along with that stuff, putting it on a Walkman. You know, put the tape in the Walkman thing, and it would be on my hip, and I would just be banging away. And my parents never discouraged it, which I, you know, that's amazing. Um, I don't know that I would do that. <laughs> with <laughs> your kids? Yeah, yeah, with the kids that I don't have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not even I don't even have kids and I'm saying that I probably wouldn't do that. So I stopped playing piano at that point. I didn't play for a long time. Just completely the, dropped I, it. Yeah, cuz I was playing drums. Right. And then when I was about 10 or 11, I got uh, a full-size guitar 
And I, then I got way into guitar, and that became the main thing. But by then, I was into what I was into, and it was like, it was like backbeat, like funky jazz music, like John Schofield, Robin Ford uh, records that they had put out, and a lot of Stevie Wonder, obviously, and all of, all of the surrounding, you know, Bill Withers and Al Green. That reminds me of something Gale. I heard putting notes together for you today. Um, apparently, you've got a, a nickname, the Fort Worth Funk Soul Brother. I, I don't have you know. not heard that? Before? I have. I have not heard that. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it's floating around out okay, there. Okay, well that's okay. <laughs> that's that's one of the better nicknames I've had okay. in my life for sure. Well, you can tell us all the bad ones too if you want. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. I kind of off rolled your story there. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, yeah. So then I was into guitar and I was into funk and jazz and and R and B and you know that took me through high school and I was into other stuff too. But that it always came back to that. Um, and then when I was in high school, I started going to blues jams with my dad, which uh, is like an open forum uh, sit-in kind of thing where okay. like a group of people, it's like a house band that plays for a little while and then they get groups up of people that are just complete strangers. Like, okay, so open you, mic, yeah, singer, you, okay, songwriter thing. You play thing. drums, you play guitar, you play bass, you nice. play guitar. You know, and oftentimes people don't know each other. And where but, was this? Uh, it's in, this was in Dallas, but this happens everywhere. Okay. I mean, this is, yeah. a, this is a, it's a fairly common thing. In that in the blues world specifically, which is kind of an antiquated world at this point, um, yeah. which is why it's not something that maybe that a lot of people know that happens. It'll be back. Jazz but, is too classic. It's too it's too good to fade away. Yeah, it might. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's a, a very popular genre right now. No, which is weird because it's incredible. But yeah. Yeah, it, jazz comes up a little bit every once in a while on the Fort Worth Roots podcast, and it is strange because yeah. it, it it is in a, a a category completely of its own. Yeah, and you you find it kind of creeping around into other genres. Like there there might be some jazz absolutely. influence to it, but absolutely, it's as far everywhere. as full on jazz scene, yeah. that's not so common. Yeah, well, there isn't really a scene cultivated for that here. Right. There are a lot of really really tremendous jazz players here. Did you ever check out Don't that restaurant? Jazz. It's uh, it was right there on Thirty. Uh, it's called Buttons. Of course, and yeah. I played a, there a bunch of times. Did you really? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I hated to see that thing go. I yeah. only probably went there maybe four or five times, but it yeah. was such a unique environment. Totally, it's incredibly unique. So then, anyway, I didn't get back into the piano for a long time after that. All as all of that to say, uh, but when I got back into it, I had already really established what I liked, and I had established my own kind of version of that. It through playing guitar and studying music, you know, pretty aggressively throughout my teens and twenties, and so when I got into the keys, it was really easy to find what I was looking for because I had the ideas already there, the theory was already there. Sure, it was just the dexterity of my of my hands, figuring out how to create the sound that I had in my head, and it was a lot of 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 listening to other people and watching other keyboard players that I that I liked watching their hands and looking at their voicings and how they oh they married that 251 like this oh that was really nice you know it was out or it was whatever you know and then get that in my head and go home and figure out what they did and I just add that to the, to the book of tricks you know that's the whole thing it's yeah. just a bunch of tricks it's just a bunch of nonsense so just by ob observing other musicians you're figuring out ways to make it work for yourself do you, do you think yeah. you could do that with other instruments now that you pick up after that Absolutely, yeah. And and I steal things from other instruments for not the same instrument that I'm stealing it 
for you know what yeah. i mean like as a keyboard player i'm drawn to saxophone solos as a as a soloist if i'm taking a solo i'm thinking like i'm i'm thinking in in saxophone a lot of the time like <laughs> except on organ there's a lot of you know multi-note stuff but like you know that's just the way that i'm thinking in my head i'm voicing those things but on guitar i'm thinking like thinking like a keyboard player i'm thinking of those voicings and trying to to be more melodic as a, as a player as opposed to more erratic just that's what i like that's what i have in my head yeah but i don't often think in guitar patterns so much you know it's it's art you know yeah it's work too and i'm guilty of of treating it like work when it's work at times yeah and if you're not putting any, any life behind it it's not going to sound good it's not going to sound as good so when you're gigging solo by yourself at these venues around town it sounds like you gig a lot like yeah. every night like just lot. about six to eight gigs a week that's probably. awesome do you have some residencies some yeah they come and they go but yeah what's uh what's hot right now what are uh, your residency- I residencies i do i do tuesdays at the post every week okay uh from six to nine so you know jake fur yeah absolutely is it jacob fur jacob yeah yeah and then uh i do so i there are <laughs> the restaurant boomer jacks owns like 15 restaurants in the metroplex <laughs> yeah 20 or something yeah it's and crazy every wednesday they have music and it's the same guy that the same company owns all of them so it's the same booking agent for the whole yeah. thing so he just kind of rotates everyone around in a big circle now the so one, i do every wednesday the one they just built over off of 820 close to white settlement and lake worth mm-hmm. they don't play live music out there do they they do okay maybe yeah. they just started or i've just been missing it yeah it's just wednesdays oh okay okay yeah just Wednesdays. So you, you, do you make the full 15 restaurant circuit? I do all of them, yeah. Oh, damn. There are a couple of them that I won't do because they're so far away from where I live. Okay, yeah. Like, uh, there's one up in Murphy, and I live in Lake Worth, and that's way too far. And in Boomer Jacks, if I'm, not, if, if I'm not mistaken, is just DFW, right? I have no idea. I don't think they have locations anywhere else. Probably because of your work ethic. Um, I bet that has something to do with this, but... Uh, a listener question was you have a, a knack for connecting with a lot of amazing artists both locally and nationally um how are you connecting with these people it it sounds like you're 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 working your way into a lot of different circles yeah and uh that that's grabbed people's attention enough that they would ask me to ask you but yeah um what are you doing to to get these people's attention or did we already nail it with your work ethic well i think that's part of it is being just being out and being being seen right you know i don't want to use the word relevant because that doesn't really matter but just being your reputation will precede you in that moment sure if you're introduced to someone or someone thinks of you if someone's looking for something or whatever but but also i've been fortunate in in that i have known people who in the past were at the same level that i was at that experienced a lot more success than i did and kind of helped me out in certain ways you know, by making certain introductions that, yeah. you know, I recognize that some things have fallen my way that certainly didn't have to right. in my career, but I'm not upset about that, I guess. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Some of it is just that. And, uh, like I, I started playing with, uh, Robert Randolph and the family band a couple of years back and he, f- we became, uh, friends on Instagram Okay. And he messaged me on Instagram. Now, how does Robert Randolph and Joanne Taylor, how do they fit together? I don't know how they fit together. I met her when I was playing with him. Okay. On a cruise. Okay. That we did. 
I'm, I'm going to have to have that story because that was something else that came up. Whenever you brought up Robert Randolph, I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. But apparently there's a story there about y'all connecting on a cruise with those two. Yeah, so we did this cruise out in the Mediterranean. It was one of those Joe Bonamassa blues cruises. Did you have to pay for this? No, I was oh, playing. Oh, you were featured on it. Okay. I was playing with, <laughs> with Robert Randolph. Okay. Yeah, he, he was one of the headliners, and so uh, we went out there and did that. And Joanne Shaw Taylor was on the bill as well. So That's incredible. We just kind of got to know each other. How did you land that gig? Uh, through Instagram? talking Through about? Instagram, yeah. yeah he, he messaged me on Instagram, and it was kind of happened really quickly that's phenomenal he was looking for somebody they were about to do an album release tour and yeah it just worked out i just happened to be available for the one audition gig that he put me on he flew me up to colorado and we did the blues from the top and winter park festival and then he sent me 10 songs for a 90 minute set which is not enough songs (laughs) and then we only did like three of them and the rest of it was other stuff that i hadn't heard yeah, and then uh, at the end of it, he came, just came, patted me on the back, said, "Hey, you're you're a good follower." And that was yeah. that was the tryouts. For that the, was it. Yeah, the and then I was, and well, that was the tryouts for the. I did the. I played with him for like six or seven months. Damn. And that was the first one. That's very cool. Are you going to continue to work with them? Uh, he's doing his own a different thing right now. Uh, he's on tour with Zach Brown, I think, right now. Actually, opening. That's awesome. Yeah, but big names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's doing he's doing his thing out there. But so, how long is this cruise that you went on the Mediterranean? It on? was uh, seven days. Okay, <clears throat> we started in Barcelona and we went to Monte Carlo and then we went to Malta. Do you get to enjoy yourself and take pictures and get off the boat and all that? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So you're only obligated, or we were for this cruise, we're only obligated for three shows. Oh wow, okay. So you're that, not working your butt off that time, no. Yeah. No, I'm not hardly working at all. I don't have because they set the stage up for you. I don't have to. You know what I mean? I, you don't carry equipment around. Right. So you just kind of walk in, and the stage is set up, and you start playing. So it's it's minimal, minimal effort for sure. But yeah, I got to know a lot of people on that on that one, um, and Joanne just happened to be one of them. And when did this take place? Uh, 2019. It's the fall of 2019. Is that the first time you've gotten into like a vacation type gig like that, like a cruise or something? That's that seems that like... was the best one for sure. That's not the first time, but that was the best one. Going to the Mediterranean. What's the worst one? Carnival. Yeah, like fair gigs are pretty awful. <laughs> Did you do one? I've done plenty of fairs. Yeah, county <laughs> fairs. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. But uh, as far as like going out on a cruise, have you ever done that before? Uh, that was actually my first cruise experience, okay. period. That, that seems like that would probably be the coolest damn thing ever. It was. And I went on a cruise after that where I was just a regular person yeah. on the cruise. Yeah, so we, I went uh, the following year, I went on a cruise, um, or maybe even later on that same year, and I was amazed at how much you had to pay for that I didn't have to pay for. Oh, yeah, it's it's robbery, right? Yeah, it was crazy. I haven't been on one, but I've heard stories. Like, you pay for the ticket, and you're like, oh, that's not that bad. And then you realize you have to eat and drink, and all that costs an obs- yeah. obscene amount of money. Well, yeah, <laughs> the eating doesn't, but, like, if you want anything other than water, right. it does, and that kind of gets old. But when you're a musician on a, on a music cruise, mm-hmm. you have a 24-hour lounge that's just stocked with everything you want, food and liquor and whatever. So if we're going to take a cruise... I'm going to need to be your roadie. Yeah. All right. Um, another question from the fans. What's your focus as far as Fort Worth is concerned? Do you have some goals here in Panther City or 
um, are you just trying to wing it and see where you fit in with the community or do you kind of have a, a, a focus that you're heading towards? That's a good question. I like it here. I've been here for 11 years and there is not really a scene for the thing that I do. The more R&B side of the, of the funk world. Do you feel a need to kind of cultivate that here? Yeah, I do, and I've tried a little bit here and there um, and had some success with it uh, in certain instances, but I've had other ideas of ways to try to bring the community together in that particular way because I've seen that there is a market for that. Uh, where it exists for me right now primarily is over in Dallas, where that's where that is. If you, yeah. want, if you want that and you're in DFW, that's where you go. And I would like to maybe try to build build off of that momentum because a lot of people go musicians specifically come for from Fort Worth to Dallas to do that. Yeah. And there's no reason we couldn't get together once a week and do that here. Right. You know. So that's something that I've thought of and been in just had in my head, I guess, bouncing around in my ideas in my head. And I've talked with the guys at Tulips, and they're interested in getting involved with that as well. Sure. Um, you just had a gig there, didn't you? I have I'm have one coming up on the first June first. I'm opening for Ron Ortiz. Oh okay. I'm not familiar with Ron Ortiz. Ron Ortiz, yeah, he's a fantastic artist out of L.A. Oh wow, uh, it's okay. like lo-fi kind of soul with horns. It's okay. pretty cool. He's a great singer, great so, guitar. Sounds player. like you guys will pair well. Yeah, we've got a nice. I've got a nice little four-piece band put together, and we're gonna do some newer original stuff. Retrophonics. Mm-hmm. The listeners want to know if you have plans for another retrofo- Retrophonics album. Yes, actually, I'm about halfway done oh, with a new Retrophonics album. Okay. Um, when did you start that? I started it last summer. Okay. Um, and it's gone through some iterations and some alterations and some just ed- general editing, but we've done, it's going to be three instrumental and then three with lyrics what is this uh instrument i saw a picture of you got a looks like a keyboard um that you're blowing air into <laughs> what is that yeah it's uh now that you've asked me i've forgotten what it's called <laughs> um wow that's okay take your time and i'm yeah. gonna well you do exactly where, that you blow into it and it and you play it's got reeds uh, and you play it like a keyboard i'm gonna grab the remote there it is <laughs> the melodica yes the melodica. you blow into it and then you play it okay so these are not very common, right? I've never seen one. I mean, it's not uncommon, <laughs> but it's not everywhere. So for our listeners, if you're looking at the YouTube version of this, um, I think the camera might be able to pick it up. Uh, but it's just <laughs> got Chris uh, jamming out on uh, a tiny keyboard with like a crazy straw, a very <laughs> durable crazy straw coming out of one end, and he's blowing into it. Yeah. So It kind of sounds like a harmonica. Okay, and and you said it's it does have reeds in there. Yeah. So so then there's a strap on the back, so it's attached to my left hand. Right. I'm playing it with my right hand, blowing into it, and it only makes a sound when you blow into it. So you, it's like a wind instrument almost. It's like a cardio workout. It is kind of. <laughs> you can't do it for super long. Right. Now is that is that Cam there on guitar? Yeah, it's Camden. Chris Hill on the drums. You got to tell us something about Cam. Apparently, he's pretty incredible. Where'd you Cam. Where'd you dig him up at? Yeah, so uh, one of the drummers that I've used the most uh, in the last few years, Luke Calloway, 
who was on the Retrophonics record that we did. Um, we needed a sub for a gig. And it was kind of an off gig, one of the off nights. So it wasn't a big deal. And Luke said, hey, I know this kid. And he was 18 at the time. Mm-hmm. He's only 21 now, which is absurd. <laughs> he was 18 at the time. He said, I know this kid. And I was like, you know, okay. It's kind of, you know, who cares? It doesn't matter. It's not that kind of gig where it matters. And so he came in and he did it. And I was just blown away. And he already knew a lot of the material already before I had sent it to him. Like, it not not because, like, the covers that we were going to do. Like, a lot of Stevie Wonder and, like, oh, okay. the complicated stuff. He just already knew it. Well-versed. From, yeah, from, uh. from his schooling. Uh, he he did, went to the Booker T Art Magnet School in Dallas. And they taught him jazz and R and B and it's all not that stuff. School of Rock stuff, is it? it? No, it's like a it's like a high school that's instead of being sports centric, it's art centric. Huh. Okay. And so they get all this extra time and extracurricular time and availability to music and art, visual art and dance and all this stuff uh, for high school age kids for that, all four years. Have of high you school. dealt with more people that have come out of that? Uh, there have been a ton of people that have come out of it. Erica Badu came out of it. Uh, I think Nora Jones came out of it. Okay, Damn. a ton of Dallas musicians have come out of it that are like, you know, top drawer. Yeah, musicians around town. You know, it's not I, a, it's not I, an uncommon thing. Now you got one playing with you. Yeah, and he plays with us. Yeah, for sure, as much as he can. Uh, so yeah, so since then he did the gig, and I was just blown away. I mean, it's not because he was so young, but because he was just good. He was good for regardless of how old anyone is. Is he part of Retrophonics? I would consider him, yeah, to be a, a core part of it for the most part. He can't do all the gigs, and you know that's okay. I've got a pretty wide net of people that I use that know the gig pretty well. Yeah. So it's kind of fun to mix and match anyway. Right. You know, it keeps it fresh for me and for everybody. But yeah, he's been with us ever since, and through the writing and doing the record, and he's just he's unbelievable. Mm. Um, it's, it's exciting to see. And keep an eye on you know what he's gonna do. Which way do you like doing it best? I prefer to do it with the band, yeah, over solo. You know, just having people to interact with because oftentimes on solo gigs, people just kind of check out and they don't pay attention anymore, right? And it just gets real boring. And I'm not sad about it. You know, I don't care. Set and setting is so important. It's if it's not the right time, it's not the right time. It's yeah. it's unimportant to me. Because I'm going to get paid the same way either way. If I'm on a patio, like it doesn't matter. But having someone on stage to at least just look at and acknowledge that we're doing this thing at, at the same time yeah. goes a long way. I make it a point state. every time we've got something. It doesn't matter where we're at. If we're at a bar, people are more focused on the music if you're at a bar. But if we're at a restaurant, uh, whatever the situation is, Whenever somebody's on stage and they're playing at the end of their set, I clap. Yeah. I make sure I clap. I make sure I clap hard and loud and make a big deal out of it and try to get some other people to do it too. Especially when I walk into a room and nobody's paying any attention to the musician. It's a little heartbreaking. But I talked to, uh, do you know these people, Joe Savage and Matthew Broyles? And Mm -hmm. um, they both talked about that. And uh, they, they got to a point in their music where you know they understand that they're they're part of the scene but they're not the scene they're they're to be heard but you know they well, they accept the fact that people are there to like have dinner you know that's exactly or it. or whatever that's exactly so. what i mean by set and setting you know the the 
there's the old anecdote that has been going around for years. This amazing violinist took this million dollar violin into the New York subway. Saw that. And yeah. no one was paying attention and he was playing his ass off and no one cared. And then he played that very night and it was this sold out concert. And the tickets were the like 150 bucks. Yeah, and he was the headliner <laughs> and you know, whatever. And so set and setting is so important. So you, you have to know that, like they said, uh, echoing that, you know, some people are not there to be entertained. Right. And you can tell who that is, and you have to just know how to how to just play for everybody else or nobody. Yeah. Oftentimes it's nobody, and that's okay because mm-hmm. you're just there. It's either you or it's the music through the speakers, and you might as well be you doing it and getting paid. Right. You know, in that moment. But you can also look at it as a moment to try something out. If no one's listening, who gives a shit if you mess <laughs> up? You know what I mean? So like, I'll, I'll take a song that I'm working on, maybe something new, a new idea. And I'll change the key dramatically to a new key. And just to see if I can sing it in that key. Sometimes I can't. And sometimes it's better in that key. And I had no idea that I could sing it that way. Or it'll lead me to a new melody idea. Yeah. You know, and then I'll play it again 20 minutes later in a different key. And see if that's a better key. You know, so you can treat it like that too. You can treat it like like it's a, a walk through the mud and be upset about it and complain yeah. about it all the time or you can treat it like I'm sitting here and I'm going to make some money drink a couple of beers and do what I love yeah well you know that that's part of it but that in that moment that's not what it is yeah in that moment it's work it's right. just like anything else I'm at work and I just happen to be sitting in front of a bunch of people who are having fun with their friends and no one's paying attention to me. You know what I mean? That's what it is in the moment. It doesn't yeah. feel like this thing that I love. It could be very isolating, I'm sure. Yeah, so you have to figure out how to treat it that way and, and talk yourself out of it. Because I I'm, I'm, have been plenty bad in the past about slumping my back over and just into the mic for an hour you know what I mean when no one's listening I've done that I've, I'll catch myself doing it or someone I know will show up and video me and you know put it on Instagram or whatever and I'm like oh, oh I was totally checked out yeah I was totally checked out on that tune so I don't know you just have to it's an ongoing battle you just have to figure out how to compartmentalize the whole thing yeah. there's a difference between gigs and shows now have you uh, have you played for a room like that uh, just just gigging and it didn't seem like anybody was paying attention. And then you closed out your set. You're getting ready to leave and had somebody come up to you and say, hey, I was listening. I love your music. You've yeah. got a new fan. Sure. All the time. You never know. Yeah. That's why it's bad to check out and slump over like I used to do. That's <laughs> why it's bad. You know, yeah. you're alienating the possibility of a new person coming in for the last 20 minutes and enjoying themselves. Yeah. You know, enjoying it more. Yeah. That happens a lot. People are uncomfortable to, to clap and make noise if they're the only ones. Like you said, if you're in the back clapping, oftentimes other people will do oh, it. Oh, yeah. Almost every time. You know? Almost every time. And it's maybe they were waiting for someone else to do it. Maybe they're too shy to do it right. themselves. You know, exactly. So then they can come up and... The weirdest time is when that happens and no one pays attention, no one says anything, but you end up with like $300 in your tip jar. And yeah. you never saw anyone go up because everyone... You feel like everyone's been ignoring you the whole time and then all of a sudden it's like, oh... I guess I was doing okay. Yeah. No one said anything. No one bothered to tell me that. But. It's just kind of a, a social thing, I th- I think. Like, a, I don't know. Like you said, like they're maybe embarrassed to clap or fill out a place or whatever. Yeah, I think people just don't want to draw attention to themselves yeah. a lot. Have you seen any musicians lose their shit from a gig where they thought they were being underappreciated 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. A storm out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Story time. Yeah. Oh, man. Got a good one? I'm not going to name any names. No, don't do yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> there was one Tell guy. Tell me later, though. Yeah, there was one guy that came through. I remember he came through Fort Worth, and he's this tremendous singer, but he liked to sing incredibly soft and then incredibly loud. But there was this dynamic that was part of the thing. Yeah. And so he needed it to be quiet and people to listen to the dynamic of the thing, or it didn't work. Right. Because if they're talking over him when he's singing quiet, you know, the whole thing falls apart. So he stopped mid-song and was just started berating everyone. Like, <sighs> if you, like, if you, why the fuck are you here? Why did you get in here? Why'd you pay to come in here and just talk over me? Like, you're, you, you knew that this was happening. Like, why are you talking over me while I'm trying to sing? Like, if you want to talk, get the fuck out. Where were you when this happened? Like, I was in the back of the room, okay. and I was just wide-eyed. And you came to see him play? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just... I had no idea. I had never seen anybody do that, like, in person. You see that on YouTube. <laughs> right. Or whatever, you know, meltdowns or whatever, but you know, I'd never seen it in person, and it was... And you could hear a pin drop after that. A bunch of people left because yeah. they didn't want to get yelled at. Yeah, uh, but a bunch of people stayed, and you could hear a freaking pin drop in that place. I think I would have stayed just tonight. to see how that played out. Yeah, it was weird. From then on, it was tense for sure, but it kind of added to the drama of the show because it was a pretty dramatic performance. Huh? Why? It's really good. But yeah, he was not having it. Damn, he was not having it. That's uh, and I don't begrudge him for that, honestly. Because it is annoying. Yeah, you know, I've been I've been invited plenty of times to do opener sets for people in a listening environment, mm-hmm. and when it when it is a listening environment, and you're in the middle of it, and you're doing the thing, and you're focused, and you're in your flow state, and you're and you're doing your thing, and then someone starts chattering and breaks the whole concentration. It's a it's a real thing, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be that because you can play on a restaurant patio, but you're not doing the same thing is what you're doing for the for the listening crowd. Right. You're focusing and you're doing, you're giving it way more attention and detail and performative gumption. Yeah. So, I forgot where I was going with that. I don't know, I don't know how we started that. Well, I I I think you did a pretty good job of painting the landscape there of, of what that's about, why a musician should not get upset if, you know, people are just being people and you know the the other side of it. How how awful falling apart on stage could be. <laughs> oh, we started. Okay, so we started out with that. Okay, that's right. So, <laughs> so we got to the end of the show, and and it was just never addressed ever again. And then I saw him again about a year and a half later at a different location in Fort Worth. He didn't do that, but the crowd didn't do that either. So he didn't really give him. They didn't really give him a reason to do it. But All I was right. kind of hoping that he would. This didn't seem like an uncommon thing for him to have done. Yeah, in, you know what I mean. Damn. There's been artists that I've played with, bigger artists, like if I've subbed or done a tour with them or something, a couple of them that have gotten, like if maybe not enough people showed up to the show or the tickets were light or maybe the crowd's not into it, uh, that they'll kind of check out on stage and just kind of mail it in the rest of the time. And then you're up there with them and you're trying, it's like dragging an anchor, trying to get them to do something to, to win the crowd back and not just give up and give them nothing. You know, it's frustrating to be. I mean, can moment. you imagine being like, you know, especially if it is for whatever reason, tickets are light that night. Maybe the marketing wasn't there or whatever, but your real fans showed up. Right. They were so excited that you were in their town. Exactly. And they showed up and they're standing there and you're just mailing it in. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's awful. It's, you just, you probably lost some of your most loyal cus- uh uh, fans yeah. in, in Wakatachi, Oklahoma, or whatever—it's <laughs> the total opposite of, of how you should. Yeah, how you should treat that. Sucks. That sucks. I hate that. But 
yeah, I mean, sometimes it's hard when you th- you're expecting something, but you you have to not expect anything. Yeah. To expect nothing. Hope for the best, but expect the worst. Yeah. You know, and then you'll land somewhere in the middle. When I'm having a rough day, TikTok. TikTok is really weird. It will figure out where your head's at, and it will start showing you only the thing that it thinks you want to hear. Yeah. And so when I'm having a rough day, it starts feeding me these motivational things. Yeah. And I guess I was having a rough day a few days ago, and it was so, some guru talking about, like, you don't need to have any expectations, because to have an expectation is like getting mad at the, the, the rain whenever it starts raining on you. you. You can't control that. You don't have any control over that. So right. you, if you don't set these expectations, then you'll never be disappointed, and that's the key to happiness. <laughs> Sure. Thanks, TikTok. TikTok, I haven't, I can't do it. <laughs> well, I, I got sucked me. into it. I, I boycotted it for a long time because I'm like, what is this weird social media platform? And then the girlfriend at the time, she pulled up TikTok and it was puppy dogs and dolphins and, and <laughs> an hour went by and I'm like, what are we doing? We sat on the couch flipping through TikTok for an hour. Yeah. And so then I just, I was like, ah, absolutely not. No, that, that is weird. That's it's yeah. crazy that it did that to us. Two grown adults yeah. sitting in a dark living room, scrolling <laughs> side by side, just looking at this dumb shit. Yeah. It's incredible what they can do to you. So anyway, yeah, now I've got TikTok and uh, I watch a lot of videos now. Cool. <laughs> Puppies and dolphins. <laughs> and and what are, and people hurting themselves on accident, you know. I got on it at the very beginning of it when it wasn't a lot of people on it yet. Yeah. Before it was cool. Well, it wasn't cool, and it's not cool now, (laughs) I don't think, still. But I was trying to make content. Like, I made maybe 20 videos and put them on, you know, redoing videos with other people and, you know, Mm -hmm. all the things. And I just never got any real traction on it. And then I just kind of gave up, and and I put it out of my head. I deleted it, put it out of my head. And then, like, a year later, it, it, like, became this thing, this colossal thing that people were getting in on. Ridiculous, yeah. I wonder if there's uh, any more room in the tank for another social media platform or if like as a society we're getting so fed up with this shit that we're going to stop putting attention towards these platforms. Like, will they continue to build more of these like Instagrams and TikToks? Or of course they will. They're already doing it. They're already developing whatever the next thing is going but to be. But will people get behind it? Yeah, they'll get behind it for a minute. Don't we have enough on on our shelf now? <laughs> yeah, but how much stuff many. is how much stuff has come and gone? Well, the face uh, MySpace. That's that's the one. That's the only one I miss because you could have music on your page. I thought that was cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of stuff has come and gone since then, though. There's so I mean, I don't know. I think people are spread thin, but like, there's a contingency of people who recognize how unhealthy that is. I just can we just have one and get rid of everything else? Can we just put everything in one place? Something that actually works? That, that's that'd be the move. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. Probably right. wholly impossible. Paul and Carrie Smith from Late to the Station. They say that they want to work with you on a third album. Yeah, we had talked about that. Yeah. Before. Yeah, we're just. How's that looking? I. They just need to let me know when it's happening. Y'all just, just like in passing, y'all might have mentioned that y'all yeah. work on that together. Yeah, we discussed it. I'm, I'm in. Just let me know when. They've got two albums out right now, and uh, we connected with them 
I want to say four months ago or something. I've seen them play live twice now, and they're just the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Love them both. And uh, that's going to be pretty badass to get the three of y'all together working on an album. Yeah. Now, how sure. does that work? Do you think that the, that y'all get together and every track on that album will be the three of you? Or Don't have a clue. Not an idea at all. There's a million, <laughs> million ways that that could go. I play and produce a lot of records for people. Play on and produce and it's said it's different every time you know everyone's got the level of involvement that they want to be versus the amount of control that they want to relinquish over creativity and you kind of live within those boundaries so they'll be driving the bus and you'll just let them tell you where to sit a lot of the time that's how it works yeah like i'll just kind of come in and if i have an idea or you know want to change an arrangement or change a chord or whatever yeah i'll bring it up and if not if they don't want to do it we'll trash it (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. I like doing that. You know, helping people just kind of flesh out their ideas. I play so many instruments that it's helpful to be able to have the knowledge and the vocabulary and, you know, the playability to, to create something really quickly, even if it's yeah. just a demo. You know, get an idea down that it's a cohesive idea. It's not just strumming it into your phone. Right. You know. So on the production side, do you have a, a studio that you do all this at? I have a home studio that I okay. run that I do overdub type stuff. Mm-hmm. guitars i do all of my own like satellite recording for keyboards that i do satellite recording would be like uh, i have studio friends in nashville la you know various okay. studios and they're like oh I, for, I need a keyboard part real quick for this demo they'll yeah. e- email it to me i'll play it email it back they put it into their thing yeah so i do a lot of that and then i do the retrophonics record i mixed and mastered in there uh, myself and then all from home studio yeah we well oh, wow. i tracked it at a friend's studio and then he just sent me the raw files and uh minimal overdubbing on that one we played it live very cool and then uh yeah i did the, the mix and master at home and then i've done just kind of various studio work for people like i'm i do some voiceover stuff i'm getting into voiceover stuff for for like what just ads and no whatever. yeah there's some websites that people advertise jobs they need voiceover jobs okay i'm interested how, how much can we make on this it just depends on the job can we can we make a full living on it a lot of well i mean maybe <laughs> if you do it enough and you get enough portfolio <laughs> you never know yeah you never know it's it, it could be a decent form of upside income for sure if you there's a a voice actor i ran into he did the uh it it's an incredible like four minute long airstream commercial and he did the full like wow voiceover work for that one sounds good i bet that was a good one yeah um but that uh i i need some work from home kind of stuff because i I don't want to do my job anymore yeah yeah (laughs) i understand so maybe i'll take some uh some voice classes some voice acting classes and then get busy on that there you go. Lots that, of ads out a there. A lot of work out they're, there. They're going to need some voices. I get email. I get like 10 emails a day. Really? Job listings. Yeah. You, you they're did. not all right for me, but they're th- they're there. So out of if you get 10 in a week, how many do you think you'll take? Like 10 a day. I don't take I hardly do any of them. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just the ones just that's there. So you you find somebody like, "Oh, that'd be cool." Yeah, or just like if I need some money or yeah. I'm trying to do whatever if I'm if I'm super busy playing, I don't think about it. Yeah something to fall back on it's just there yeah it's not going away there's new jobs every day do you think a lot of people during the covid 2020 got into voice acting um, i imagine some people <laughs> did i mean yeah who knows Solid gig. <laughs> yeah who knows yeah absolutely i have a, a i don't know if my voice is unique or not but it's it's there 
It's good. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a good voice. It's there. <laughs> you know. We'll have the it. listeners uh, chime in. Let us know how much you like Chris Watson's voice. Yeah, please. <laughs> I need that for my ego. Yes. <laughs> we'll do a poll. Yeah, great. <laughs> Well, Chris, um, we're at an hour, man. I appreciate you being here and uh, giving me some of your time. I I tell people all the time, like I, I I'm blown away that people will let me do this with them. Yeah, uh, on a whim because I'm you know just a podcaster. So sure, I d- I didn't uh, deserve and you didn't owe me anything. So thank you for doing. I'm happy this. to, of course. <laughs> um, next time you got a single or your album that's coming out, if you'd like to come on and talk about it and sure how that turned out. Um, We'd love to have you back. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Thanks. Maybe we could get a uh, you, Paul, and Carrie in one room, and yeah, and, uh, that'd be a that'd be a really badass recording. Yeah, talk some <laughs> talk some music. All right, Chris. Thanks yeah, again. Thank you. I appreciate and we'll it. see you for the next episode. All right. A very sincere thank you to our guest and friend, Chris Watson. This dude is doing big stuff. And fortunately for all of us, we can find him at The Post Tuesday 6 to 9 and Boomer Jacks all around the DFW area every Wednesday. Just a really chill dude, easy to talk to, good company, and I, I hope we get to do more with Chris in the future. And I need to come out and see you play live, man. That's going to be good stuff. Don't forget, you can find him on Instagram. Look for Chris Watson Music. Thank y'all for uh, bumping this show up, man. I'm watching these analytics, and you guys are showing out. The listeners are making Fort Worth Roots uh, show up in some pretty special places. Uh, two years ago, if you Googled Fort Worth Roots podcast, you wouldn't get anything. I mean, you'd get stuff, right? You'd get Fort Worth stuff. You'd get podcast stuff, but you would not be able to find uh, Fort Worth Roots podcast. Now... Uh, and I'm not going to say we're plastered all over the front page of a Google search if you do Fort Worth Podcast. But if you search Fort Worth Roots Podcast or Fort Worth Podcast, you, it will pull up now. So that's something. And that, that's because of you guys. Every time you listen to a show, when you subscribe to one of the channels, whenever you uh, hit us up on any of the social media platforms, it really does help. The 100th episode release party, I'm going to get some information together for you. It's something I'm working on. So... Um, just put that in the back of your mind. I, I think this is probably going to happen around mid-August time frame. We got some time. It's episode 87, so 100th episode release party. Yeah. Try to try to make that work out where it falls in line with the actual scheduled release for the 100th episode. So, All right. Thank you all for being here, and uh, I'll see you next week. Peace.